never been so fucking easy to make money because the competition is zero. Welcome to the Marbella Podcast Studio for my first ever podcast, I guess is what you're going to say. I, I got extremely lucky to have uh, Rob Moore join us from... Peterborough, yeah, the biggest Peterborough, England. fighting out of Peterborough, England. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. You used to live there. I did. I lived in a, a pub. I can't, I can't remember the name of it because it was so long ago. It was like ten lifetimes ago. But uh, I, I was uh, eighteen years young. I was the assistant manager of a harvester, and I moved to Peterborough. Yeah, I think you had the roughest pub I- in the city, didn't you? Well, they brought the right guy for the job, <laughs> didn't they? Fuck it, hell. No, yeah, it was. It was. It was awful. It was an awful experience. Peterborough was awful. I, I tell you all the time how awful it is, and then you tell me that you own half of it, so I can't insult it. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> if everyone hates it and everyone leaves, there's less competition for us. So. Uh, but yeah. I, one thing I know about Peterborough is it has a passport office. So that's has, what it's known for. So it's got 53 different languages spoken there, I think. Wow. So the, the second most over London. London has the most, and then Peterborough's the second. So I only know that fact because I used to run doors, or work on doors, didn't run them, as a security guard. And you'd have different corners of the club, and each corner would have different people from different places in the world, and they'd all hate each other, and you'd have to make sure that none of them killed each other. So, yeah. Yeah, beautiful place. Yeah, living the dream. <laughs> so Can I ask you a question? Always. Right off the bat. Why start a podcast? Everyone, it seems, is doing podcasts. And um, you're out here in Marbella launching your podcast. Why another podcast? Well, I think now the future, of the, the way I look at content or podcasts in general, I think the future is content. Everyone's producing content now. And I feel I look at content like real estate. Good uh, analogy for you. But if you can create fantastic content that people want to view and they want to view forever call it evergreen content it sits there as a little block for something that can earn you some sort of revenue over the next 100 years say it sits on youtube or it sits on one of these platforms where you can do nothing almost and people can see see that content and from that content maybe you make a pound a month, maybe make a hundred pound a month, maybe make a thousand pound a month. So if you can create as much content as possible and put those videos out there and have your affiliate links and all those other ways that you can create revenue eventually from creating that content, I think uh, it's the only way to go now moving into the future. Mm. Yeah, content as an asset. Yeah, I think that's a concept that people are starting to get their heads around. And it's one of the reasons I, well, the reason I started this studio um, before I even thought about having my own podcast, I thought about starting the studio. I was in Dubai on a podcast um, with a guy called AG. He just done something called the 1% Man, I think it's called. And we had an hour. He rented a studio. We did an hour. It was awesome. I love to talk. So the hour went very, very quickly. And yet this is called All Ears. All Ears, so I could learn you how to listen. You've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's the whole reason I started it, so I could learn to bloody listen to people, because I just love to talk, talk, yeah. talk, talk, talk. All teeth and all ears. <laughs> um, but, you know, so I, we did that. The podcast, it went so well. He was like, let's do another one. I was like, okay, I'm here till Friday. It was in Dubai. Um, and he tried to book in, and it was fully booked for three months. Wow. I was like, yeah. wait a second, how much you pay for this place? Fully booked for three months. I'm going to start one. I looked up my bayout, my but nothing here. So uh, I started, man. Yeah. Yeah, podcasting's, um, we've been doing it eight years now. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, and definitely it's, um, you know, you see things evolve and, um, you know, having a good set now seems more and more important. You know, when you, when you, for example, wanted to launch a business 40 years ago, you'd go to the bank, you'd get a loan, you'd need a premises, you'd need stock. You know, businesses change over time. Mm-hmm. And now what it seems like you need is, 
you know, good hardware and a good studio to put content out there. Yeah, I mean, that's my, I have information products online that I sell to do with confidence. We can talk about content and all that sort of stuff. But for me, it's part of a funnel to get people to come and look at my content or look at my page or look at my Instagram or look at whatever is going to start next. Um, threads, whatever that is. Yeah. Uh, so, Are you on that? Uh, I think I've done one so yeah. far. So uh, I think you have to be. You have to be on everything, but I'll have a presence as such. But I'm not very good at that yet. I'm very good at Instagram. I like Instagram. I like looking at women. (laughs) I like looking at places to travel and things to do. Um, So I like Instagram. But Threads, Twitter, YouTube, all these different platforms, I'm I'm getting my head around it. Going from being a professional athlete to having to worry about all this crap is is taking some time for me. Yeah, well, I guess um, being a fighter most of your life, it's very difficult to see yourself as a brand. You know, you've, I guess, you could tell me if I'm wrong, but you know, you've got to be focused on being the best you can be, otherwise you're going to get knocked out or killed. And, you know, your agent takes care of everything and you've got this team around you. Um, and you don't really realise that you might have a short career. I've, I know a lot of very famous people, a lot of people in sports, and mm. they, have, they can have a very short career, 10 or 15 years, and then what have you got? What are you going to do? You're going to go and drive a lorry? <laughs> Um, and so, you know, putting content out on social media and, and, and understanding the end game of your career, I think I don't think a lot of people do it enough. I mean, there must be... OK, Conor McGregor, obviously, you, you know, he earns all the money, but there must be so many fighters who are journeymen and they earn fuck all. All of them. It must be hard. Yeah, so, because I'm, you know, deep inside this world and I know everyone, and it, same as me, I, it doesn't even enter your mind to think about anything else apart from fighting because it's so difficult to be good. You know, especially now, everyone's getting into it. You mentioned Connor Because of Connor, the explosion in it, the talent and the athleticism that's coming into fighting now and having to compete with that is so hard. You have to be 100% focused on it. But people don't realise that it doesn't matter how good of a fighter you are. If no one watches you, you don't make any money. So people want to make money from fighting so they get good at fighting. You don't have to get good at fighting to make money. You have to get good at branding to make yeah. money. So it's something that I realized halfway through my career and I started, you know, appearing on different things and talking a lot and trying to build some sort of brand. But then when fighting ended for me, it's... Uh, I got asked this question recently. Was having... I mean, you just had a fight, so you can talk on this. Right. It might <laughs> a not be, fight. It might not be yeah. the same, but you still did it. You still yeah. went through the, the process. Yeah. They said, was fighting the hardest thing you've ever done in your life? That was the question that was, that was posed to me. And I, I thought on it and I was like, fighting's tough. It's definitely tough. But the hardest thing I've ever done is stopping fighting because I did it for 16 years. It's a three-month process. You go into training camp. You train twice a day, six days a week. You do sparring. You do. You eat everything. You've got to make your way. Extremely, extremely, extremely tough when you break it down. But I know how to do it. So it's easy because I just go into this rhythm and this trance of fighting. And then when I stopped and I had to think of the rest of the things in the world and all of the different competition out there and business and money, and I was just like, what do I do? And it was, it was... Civilian life. Eh? <laughs> well, yeah, pretty much. It's yeah. pretty much is like that. Yeah. You know, so I understand how people come out of the army and they, they just don't know what to do with themselves. It's, it's, I'm still getting my head around it. I still really am getting my head around it. I just do everything. My decision was just to do everything. Anything that comes onto my plate, attack it like I attacked fighting. And that's what I've been doing for the last two years. And, and I've had some success with it, but it's, I still don't really know where to aim. You know, whereas when, when you're fighting, 
wake up, want to be the best fighter in the world, what do I do? Train three times a day, do, 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 do whatever, it's easy. Mm. So how was your fighting experience? Yeah, my, I think the hardest thing I've ever done is step in the ring with someone 20 kilos heavier than me in front of 1,700 people and try my best to knock them out. <laughs> but yeah, I just had a fight. We put 1,700 people you know, in a, um, a sports hall, shall we call it, and, you know, we're not professional fighters. It was both our first, well, my first fight, his second fight, but only white collar. And I, I think it shows the power of social media and, and a brand. If we'd have pushed that, we could have got three and a half thousand people there to watch two people who, who aren't fighters fight. Um, and, you know, you've got like Elon Musk <laughs> calling out Mark Zuckerberg now. And of course, this whole craze was started by Logan Paul, really, wasn't it? Um, so, yeah, I... I I enjoyed every moment of my, my fight experience. Um, trained really hard. Mm -hmm. um, the thing I find with life is it's so easy to be scared of everything and it's so easy to just wake up and you're 50 or you're 60 at, and you're like, where has this life gone? And to really like breathe it in and appreciate it and, and live it to the, its fullest and appreciate all the riches that life has. I think that's one of our biggest challenges. So for me, challenging myself to do uncomfortable things that make me grow as a human and regularly challenging myself to do these things in a variety of areas allows me, it's like the tasting menu of life. Mm. Um, some people just eat steak some people just eat ve vegetables but there's so much to life um, so every sort of six months I try and challenge myself to something new I mean ultimately I'm an entrepreneur that's what I do um, but I loved every single moment of my fight we entertained a hell load of people you know I, I often think about as well you know is it better to, to lose well or to win badly and I lost well. It was a really close fight. He was a lot heavier than me. And I lost really well. And we entertained a hell of a lot of people. And I think that, you know, I'm not here to advise. I'm just here to share experience. But I think that the best things that we experience in life come immediately after really fucking hard things. Mm. And I think in, in the world at the moment with instant fixes of everything, you, you want to buy a car, you can get a loan immediately, feeding us loans. You know, you're just instant hits of dopamine on social media. I think happiness and getting the most out of life, I think it's really confused. I think everyone's really fucking confused. Um, and, and for me, um, I live by this mantra of hard now, easy later. That fight was fucking hard. <laughs> and I've lost probably, what, nine kilos? You know, I'm 44 now. And it does get, for me, anyway, it gets a lot harder to stay fit and healthier as you get older. So, um, yeah, the fight was fucking great. It was I mean, you have to ask people who were there. And obviously, we're, we're not professional fighters. But I, I, like, everyone expected me just to run away from this big guy and just... Yeah, I went in there and I just went toe-to-toe -to -toe with him. I mean, you, you, you gave me the feedback on the fight, didn't you? Obviously, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a complete novice. But you were like, you look good. And, you know, you're just, he's just a bit heavy. Yeah, I mean, 20 kilos is a hell of a lot of weight. It's, it's a hell it, of a lot of weight. Four or five weight, weight classes. Yeah, I mean, if you talk boxing, I think it's more than that. Yeah. In boxing, it's crazy. But 
what I saw from that and, and the way that you talk about, you know, losing well is you embrace the fact that it didn't go, that you lost and you're okay with it. You know, a lot, a lot of people, could, I, I've been there where you put so much effort into something, which you put a lot of effort in, you train yeah. your ass off, yeah. you sold tickets, the pressure of being who you are in front of people, on, calling all, out all the guys, the drinking, getting beaten up twice a week. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> all, the, all, the, all the hard work and all the effort, but then you get, you know, three rounds. So slip in the first. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got, you got, you got knocked down, I thought, but no, no, you slipped in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, the thing is, I, I, I think that we think we know what's best and we think, you know, we have to win at all costs, but I just think that life and nature are far more wise and intelligent than we are. And yeah, you know, it, there's so many variables, isn't there? So, a million things can happen. And I think we live in this, you said about the dopamine hits, but we live in a results-based world. Sticking at one thing for a long time is a huge part of success. Yeah, as opposed to these um, dating gurus who are 19. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to get that yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. 19 or 20 years old. But the same with me. I've, st- I've released a course online. Or sort of I've got 16 years. Mine's about facing fear and doing, doing, you know, doing what you should do, even though you, it's scary. I got 15, 16 years experience of doing that, fighting in the UFC and having multiple fights. I have the life experience to have, to give, to offer advice. But now because of Instagram, people want, like you said, instant gratification. They think, oh, I could be that guy. I can, I, I can re- repeat the rhetoric of all this crap and, and just try and make money. And the problem, I mean, good on the guys trying to do it, but the problem is people buying it, you know? And, and the reason they're trying to, this is what I believe, the main issue is people, everyone is, searching for external problems so they're searching for a fix to an like that's a fix i buy that course it'll fix this thing and everything's internal the more you look at yourself and believe in yourself and think i have the answers i just need to work out i need to spend time on my own thinking about my life and think how can i make this better and internalizing those thoughts i think the more happiness and success and all those things you'll find but everyone thinks it's an external issue oh they said this maybe maybe he's got a secret that i don't know about his secret is he fucking worked hard for 10 years and learned about himself knew who he was and once you know who you are life becomes a lot easier but they don't want to do that you know i mean they don't want to do the hard work they want to go the easy road you said it earlier like hard hard first easy later easy first hard later Mm. that's as simple it's a simple mantra but these people just i don't know why they I mean, there's so many things wrong with the, the, the generation coming up, but I don't know why they don't understand that the stick at something, because even if you get it wrong, again, even if you lose your fight, you're still going to have all of these lessons that you've learned that are going to make you a better person. But if you think, I'm going to, no, I'm going to do, no, I'm going to do, no, I'm going to do, no, you get nothing achieved. Nothing gets achieved. Nothing gets done. You don't win. You don't lose. You just switch, 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 switch. And I think, um, you know, it's a huge, huge issue that we have. Yeah. Um, I think about this a lot like what makes someone successful and what is a fulfilling life and um, how can I make the most out of the time that I've got. And I think one of the problems we have in society right now is in a way we can become a victim of our own success because, you know, human beings are very resourceful. You know, we're able to adapt, evolve, create, build, solve I mean, imagine being in the 19-teens and the 1920s where you're basically going through two world wars. And, you know, life is about survival and life is about making sure that your kids don't get 
blown up. You know, you have to face such extreme hardship and challenge that it calluses you and it makes you very, it, it, it feels terrible, but it makes you very resilient. And there's this meme or there's this, um, there's a lot of shit out there, but Good times create weak men. Weak men create bad times. Bad or hard times create strong men. And we go through this cycle. And for probably two to three decades, in a way, like it's all very well bitching about all the generations of which I get confused. It seems like generation is every five years, gen this, gen that, gen the other. But you don't know what you don't know. And if you are born in times of abundance and, you know, entitlement, because everything is just there, you are a product of your environment. And so humans don't seem to get the lessons because we don't live long enough. Mm. We live just long enough to figure out life and then we fucking die. And then, obviously, we've got to try and pass that on to the next generation. And, and so you don't live long enough to build sustainably. But um, one of the things so wrong with the world right now is how easy it's been for so long. Um, and I think this is why, you know, you, I'm sure you won't mind me saying this, but, you know, you're very good friends with Andrew Tate. And obviously, right now, he is viral and immensely popular um, and there's almost a culture around Andrew and I, I think things that become mainstream are built on context and in a world where everyone's had it so easy and they're so juvenile and so entitled therefore they're so lost someone who's had a hard life uh, you know, and it, it is prepared to stand up and shout and scream about it. A lot of people are going to hero worship someone like that. You know Andrew like really well. What are your thoughts on that? I think people are gravitating to him because of that ethos, because he he embraces hardship, and no one else does. So he's like, like you see, he's like he always says he wants to be a superhero. He wants to be Batman. It's like one of his quotes. But he is to these kids because yeah. these kids' lives, is, like you said, there's so much abundance and they're even one generation above that, their parents, they're giving them everything mm. and they have whatever they want. I want this, I want this. They become spoiled. Then you've got a, a guy out there who's immensely popular because he's saying, no, go to the gym, suffer. Like his main, I spent last week with him. Have anyone I know in my life, he's probably... One of the wealthiest guys I know, one of the smartest guys I know, one of the most comfortable. I mean, right now he's in a bit of trouble, but comfortable guys I know. And he, <laughs> bit of trouble. Bit of trouble. <laughs> uh, but he's putting himself through hardship and suffering constantly. He's searching for it every day, like waking up thinking, I need to suffer today. You know, and, and that mentality, I think, is the reason that people gravitate towards him because he is searching for hardship. But Whereas, why would anyone want to suffer all their fucking life? Because... Why not? Like, is it, so why, if gonna, why not? It's not good enough. No, 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 but I'm saying why not? Because if you're going to suffer, you're going to grow and you're going to learn and you're going to become better, you know? So if you want to become better, 
you need to suffer. And once you accept that... So that's the, that's the question then. If you want to become better. Yeah, if you don't and you just want to... If you just want to search for happiness and joy, happiness and joy is short-lived. So you have to find dopamine. You have to find that dopamine hit. Find that dopamine. When that dopamine hit goes away, you need to find another one. So if your emotion that you're searching for is happiness and you want happiness... You're never going to be happy because you're always going to be searching for it and you're always going to get it. It's going to go. It's going to get it. It's going to go. Mm. So one of the, what I believe is we, I think we're immensely powerful. Our brains are immensely powerful. Our mind, we can have whatever we want in the world. But the quality of the questions that we ask ourselves every day or what get us what we want in life. So if your question when you wake up and you say, how can I be happy today? It's a shit question because you're never, ever going to, gain or grow from that question if you wake up every day and you, uh, the question I ask myself every day is you know do I want to be an ordinary person or do I want to be an extraordinary person the answer is always extraordinary so how do I become an extraordinary person I do extra things extra work extra experiences extra whatever it's going to be but I put that in my mind from the morning when I wake up that I have to do extra you know and Andrew wakes up every morning and says how am I going to suffer today how many people can I beat up? How many, yeah, How many yeah. fighters can I bring over yeah. to Romania no, but, and pound them? Exactly. <laughs> but, he, but the fact that he's searching for that suffering, what does a normal 29-year-old kid who's got everyone, what does he wake up and ask himself every day? He doesn't. doesn't even bother asking himself because he's not even thinking about how to improve his life. He's just thinking, ooh, ooh, Xbox, whatever. Do you, know what you, I mean? you, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So that he's, that's why I think he's a pinnacle right now and people are looking at him because they're like, how has he got what he's got? And the way he's got what he's got is his mind. If you, I've known Andrew for 15, 16 years, and he's always been the same. I mean, his wealth and fame has changed, obviously, but he's always been identical and always been the same. And he's always searching for the hard questions. He's always searching for the hardship. He's always searching for the tough things. And, you know, when he goes through the tough thing, he gets better. And he's just got better, 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 better. I remember, um, he won't mind me telling the story, I'm sure, but... In Romania, about seven years ago or six years ago, I, I saw him and his brother. I was actually fighting and they were commentating on my fight randomly and we got talking afterwards. We went out and he had some guy following him around with a camera for, for videoing him. I can't remember the guy's name. And we were going out drinking and having a good time or whatever. And I was like, who is this guy following you? Oh, we're doing some YouTube thing. I just thought, this is gay. <laughs> like, what are these guys doing? This is like embarrassing. You got to think, but you think content seven years ago, eight years ago, making, oh, we're making content. I was just like, I mean, a bit, bit full of yourself, mate. I remember <laughs> yeah. thinking, you know, and there would be ordering bottles and doing whatever they're doing. I just thought, this is weird. And, and I, again, my mind was so focused on becoming the best fighter in the world, left, didn't even think about it anymore. But they were doing it sounds doesn't sound hard what they're doing doesn't make doesn't sound like hardship now creating content but when it's never been done before and they're, they're experimenting with these ideas and they've got some weirdo following around with a camera in a nightclub it's like it's different they, they, they weren't afraid to put themselves out there to go out in front of people and then that gave him now the confidence to talk the way he does and do what he does and he's just he's always found a way to be different always found a way to challenge himself and I think that's what the kids are connecting to even me listen I'm so I was a professional athlete 15, 16 years. I'm an extremely di driven person. I'm, I'm a very, you know, I wake up every day, I ask myself that question. I, I try and do whatever I can do. I spend a week in Romania with him and I'm like, here, you know, because I'm trying to follow this guy. You know, I'm like in, inspired by this guy because he's, he's a, he, 
it's almost psychopathic. Like he's so unbelievably driven to be the best version of himself. There is no waste. We were, uh, we were doing this thing last week where we're doing sh shoulder press. So you, seven and a half kilos, seven and a half kilos shoulder press. You have to do 100 reps. Then I give the weights to, to Andrew. Andrew does 100 reps. In between, when I was doing 100 reps, it doesn't sound, it sounds easy. It's fucking hard, right? Doing 100 reps, put the, give him the weights. Like, oh, rest, I've got to do another 100. And so when, he, when he finishes 100 reps, he's on his laptop. Working, <laughs> sitting outside, 100 reps work, 100 reps work. And he does it every day yeah. because it's like he's got to work and then he wants to do a bit of work. It's just he has this ability to push himself so hard in every realm all the time. You know, he's always pushing harder. He's always doing something else. He's always trying to improve just that little bit. And that's why these kids are attracted to him. And that's why these kids look at him and they, they really do worship him in a way. Yeah. Because, but it's all because he's embracing this suffering that people don't want to do. You embrace the suffering by having a, a bloody boxing match. Yeah, in front you know, of a lot of people. In front of you. Yeah. For, for why? For what reason? Because you want to challenge yourself. Yeah. So that's a characteristic of, of, of men. And I think it's always been a characteristic of, of men, but the, it's getting taken away from us because... You know, easy times create weak men. People are going through easy times and they're happier to just live easy and search for happiness and search for joy rather than search for hardship. Those that search for hardship, it's so easy now to be successful. It's not even difficult. You just got, because no one else is doing it. No one else is trying. Everyone else is giving up. Oh, it's too difficult. Oh, I'm going to just stay here. I'm going to stay home. Oh, government are going to give me money anyway. Like just, so Dana White even said this, you know, who, who I, I obviously... You know, thinks, thinks an amazing man who created the UFC and what he's done for everyone. I'm very, very inspired by him as well. He said, it's never been so fucking easy to make money because the competition is zero. There is no one now trying to push themselves to the limit. That generation is dead. We are now in the weak men generation. The, the, the easy times create weak men. If you're listening to this and you're looking around and you're hanging out with your mates and they're weak men then you want to be different. You've got to find hardship. That's the first thing to do. And, and it's so hard to say like do x and it equals y like it doesn't it's so difficult to do that but you when you move in a certain direction and you learn like i said i always use the boxing match your boxing match although you didn't win the fight all those lessons that you learn from it you can't even understand what they're gonna bring you in the future you can't you can't quantify that's the word i'm looking for i mean we're out here at the moment in marbella obviously mm -hmm. you know where you live in your marbella studios um, celebrating the fact that we did this big event. You know, and we put 1,700 people in a venue with no boxing experience and no promoting fight experience. We raised £250,000 for charity. And um, 10 of my guys fought who've never had any experience in boxing. They fought some people who did have some experience. There's a bit of bullshit that goes on in the white-collar world, of which that's maybe for another podcast. Um, how, like, you know, when I booked the... Because they're staying in a fucking expensive villa. Obviously, you, you helped me. And, yeah. like, and I paid for it. And I'm like, mm, should I only let them stay if they win? <laughs> you know, <laughs> could I be a bit of a bastard here? But, like, I, I, you know, we all had our moments. Basically, you, you know, you run fight camps. So everyone shits to bed at some point, but we all just do it at different stages based yeah. on, you know, so we're all there and we're all shitting the bed on the journey. And we're all thinking about backing out, and, you know, and all this. And Harry's here, who's my producer, and I said to him, 
Actually, Harry asked John Demartini a question about you know, managing his emotions in the fight. And uh, basically, Harry, who's on the undercut of the fight, was part of a first event that's ever been done in our space of the raising of £250,000 for charity. And it's easy to think you're small and you're insignificant and you know, that you're not being valuable and useful. But every, it, like, we needed everyone on that event mm. to make that event. No one's going to come out and go to Essex for six minutes, which is the length of our fight. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. one's going to. You need some entertainment. And so um, don't underestimate your impact in the world, I would say. And win, lose or draw, look at what it is that you do and you contribute. And I think it's really important to take time to celebrate that. I, I would have celebrated whether... If, if we all lost, we'd still be out here in Marbella. What is, what is it you... We were saying earlier, steak and tits. That's what the lads want. Steak they? and tits. <laughs> yeah, steak and yeah. tits. Where have you sent them Hemingway's? Uh, Hemingway's, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Stay, here's some steak and yeah, some tits. Everyone has to, yeah, everyone has to bear in mind that my fighters age from 18 to 30. Yeah. I'm fucking 44. I'm the granddad in all this. Uh, so, yeah. that, you know, what they want is different to yeah. what I want. They're on the lash in my bear yeah. and you're just the facilitator. Exactly. And, I'm, and you're, you're just, I'm just a wallet. Yeah. You're providing the happiness. Yeah. But I think often we don't think we should celebrate until we have something worthy of celebration. There's always something worthy of celebration. And I think, again, I know we're talking about the community quite a bit, but that's something that I really like about our community is we have this thing called a tale of victory and people write in there how, you know, the achievements that they've made and they put it, we used to do it every Sunday, but now you just do it whenever it happens. And re this is what, what I find, which maybe is a difference with people. When I read other people's tales of victories or other successes, it makes me reflect on me and my successes and inspires yeah. me to do better. So it's like, I'm happy for those people, but I, I get energy from that. Yeah. That needs to be me. I need yeah, to yeah, yeah. I need to do that. Yeah. Why am I not doing that? Or, oh, I did that and I didn't even celebrate it. So yeah. I should celebrate that because it's a tale of victory. You know, it, it depends on, on, on the context. But I think... Well, actually, that, I got corrected in there. I think that's a really good point because um, I, I reported my fight you know, in the war room because uh, a lot of people from the war room came to the fight yeah, and, yeah. you know, there was, there was a lot of expectation. There's a lot, you know, obviously, you know, you're in the yeah. fight business, you've got to sell the fight, you yeah, know, and all yeah. this. And so I went in calling it a tale of defeat. Yes. Because, but someone said, no, 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 this is called a tale of adventure. Mm. Uh, and I like that because if it's just a tale of victory, you're only sharing the big wins. But if it's a tale of adventure, you're sharing the wins and the losses, the whole journey. And that's one of the things we try, as a man, you need to do, search out for adventure in your life because it comes back to being able to tell stories. So you have this story that you filled a, you know, a sports hall, as you called it, at Brentwood Centre, which I fought, I fought as well. It's I a good my, venue, actually. I had my first yeah. professional fight there against a guy called Chris Grieg. Smashed him. <laughs> um, I, I did it. It's funny, actually, because I fought this, this guy, Chris, and he had fought my teammate and my old, old, old coach, a Swedish guy, and he'd lost to both of them. And I didn't like him because he was your typical cage fire looking guy, tattoos, mohawk, and I'm obviously very different. And I was like, I for my first fight, I want to fight that guy. Like first professional fight, yeah. I'd had 10 amateurs. And he was just a typical dickhead who did, did cage fire. I don't know why, I never, never spoke to him. He's probably a really nice guy, but he didn't look That's like That's how one. you felt. Yeah, 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 so I was like, fuck this guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he'd had 16, 17, 18 professional fights and I'd wow. had zero. 
you know, and I, and I was like calling for him. And my coach was like, come on, Luke, calm down. Like, no, I want him. I want him. And uh, I ended up getting it and I fought at the Brentwood Centre. And first round, I got absolutely battered. You can probably find it on YouTube, Luke Barnett versus Chris Creek. And um, I come back and I got battered. And the funny thing about me is every time I get hit hard, I'm like dazed. I hear a Led Zeppelin song in my head. Like, I don't know why. I used to play a lot of computer games and listen to Led Zeppelin. So, like, I used to play a game. It's quite embarrassing, but anyway, who's listening? Uh, <laughs> I'll, um, I used to play a game called Tibia, which is an old, cool, old school, like, World of Warcraft, but 2D. And we used to, used to hunt, like, dragons and minotaurs and whatever else. And I, I used to hunt trolls. Like, and you go troll hunting, and I listen to Led Zeppelin. And whenever I get hit, significantly hard it takes me back to hunting trolls and listening to Led Zeppelin <laughs> I've got no idea why but um, in this Chris Creek fight that happened and when you hear Led Zeppelin or when I hear Led Zeppelin that means move your feet get your hands up because you're in a lot of trouble right. and I want to watch the tape back I'm like can't even see you know yeah. what I mean uh, so first round he rocked me really really bad come back in the second round and, and finish him with TKO uh, but I don't know why I brought the story up, but just uh, because I'm the man. Because uh, <laughs> it's at the Brentwood Centre. Yeah. So my dad, I, I had a, a that, that venue is very, I live from, well not live, but I was from Chelmsford in Essex, so it's very, mm. very close to me. So when you said you were fine at the Brentwood Centre, I was like, I've been there. I, <laughs> I, I know that place. And it is a fantastic venue. Yeah. As one row of seeing, because I now have a promote, an events company. Next time you do your fine event, you can use my company. Don't worry about it. Yeah, one and done. <laughs> one and done. Well, the boys Actually, will want to have a go. We, we like, I'm just going to put this on record. I've got to give my wife permission. But, you know, the guy that I fought, who was 20-odd kilos heavier than me, he got everything he wanted. He got the size of the ring, no head guards, size of the gloves, you know, fuck all rounds. You know, he, <laughs> he got everything he wanted. Yeah. Let's fight next time. Let's fight at my weight. Let's fight a longer fight. We'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, I'm, like, fucking 79 kilos wet through. Mm. Um, I'm a tall guy, but I, I'm really skinny. And, yeah, he, he, um, I mean, to be fair to the guy, he lost a lot of weight. He lost three stone and, you know. But he, he had just enough gas to sort of crawl over the three rounds. He played a smart game. He, you know, he won, it on, he, won the get, he won the fight on the negotiation table. Yeah. You know, and and I, I, I'm a bit trusting. I can be a bit naive. I've done well in business and stuff, but you know, I've got other skills. But next time, you know, we'll have all the chips on my side and we'll see what happens. Well, we'll put it out in the universe and see, we'll see <laughs> what like happens. We, I'm, like we could probably put, maybe we should do an event together one time. Yeah. We could put three and a half, four thousand people in, in a, we didn't even try and, I'm not blowing smoke on my own. I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at. Yeah. I think that's important to, to knowing yourself is mm. be okay with what you're good at, be okay with what you're shit at. Um, we've, you know, but we know how to fill rooms. N- normally it's property events and things like that and social media, but we got 1,700 basically of just our fans in that room without any effort. Yeah. We didn't really try. Yeah. Um, you know, with, with, a, with a deadline and a bit of hunger, I'm sure we could put 3,500 people to watch us. Well, he's just got to lose about 20 kilos. Well, not 20, 15 would be well, well, a thing, for, like I'm bringing him a lot of um, good shit in his life because, look, yeah. he was 120. He was a heart attack on legs. And, you know, I know he's really enjoyed the journey of losing three stone. He's about six foot. He probably should be about 85. Yeah. You know, he, he, like, uh, you know, and, and so, um, yeah, if, 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 to keep him on the journey, let's just keep the dream alive. 
Everyone was screaming for the rematch afterwards. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. I, say, I watched the fight. It was close. It was yeah. close, but you, you wobbling in the first was the problem. Yeah, fucking that? slipping. Yeah. You're slipping on the sweaty canvas. <laughs> yeah, <I> don't. Wobbling. <laughs> I didn't know because I know that's a pain point. So I yeah. love it. But, um, but you know, definitely, I think that's a couple of years, maybe a year. We'll see how he feels, drop some weight. Yeah. So you can bring it back up. But they've got other challenges. What, what's the next challenge you're going to come up against, you think? Um, well, look, I'm writing my next book. It's called mm. Money Matrix. And, you know, writing books is hard mm. um, because, you know, you need to do a lot of research to write a good book. And it's, you know, trying to stay focused and concentrated and not distracted. So that's got to be done by the end of November. Um, so I've about five months to do that. My next fitness challenge is called High Rocks. So it's this fucking insane, like, CrossFit, 16 disciplines of burpee jumps and ski ergs and, uh, you know, all of that. Your resting is a, a one-kilometer run. So that, that's the next fitness challenge. Um, you know, since 2020, navigating a 22 million a year business through lockdown with a hundred and I mean we had 150 staff at one point navigating that through lockdown was yeah fucking hard um I think the government have got a lot to be accountable to but let's see if they are um so now that we you know business is really good for us now and we've got that that back so yeah the book the the fitness challenge um just you know experience life as much as you can you know get the variety try and do, do meaningful things and you think 19 books is not enough? It's, well, it's never enough, is it? It's the ne- You've got to find the next mountain. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I'll, there's a lot of things that we could do with our lives. For me personally, I, I spent a lot of years trying to impart knowledge about many things. And really, I, I, I know I'm very good with money and I know I know mm. a lot about money. So I, I want to hone my mission down a little bit into helping with money. I do a lot of um, speeches in schools to try and educate kids around money. I've got a foundation called the Rob Moore Foundation to help people start their own business. But I think like the crisis we're in at the moment, a big solution to it would be to fix the economy. Yeah, and, and get flow and, and, and money and trade and commerce and get people back to work. So, um, yeah, that's my, um, that's my mission for the next... I don't know, 50 or 60 years, maybe. 50, you're going to live another 50, 60 years, yeah? Well, I hope so. Oh, okay, that's uh, interesting. Uh, I think 70 years is enough for me. I'm, I'm 35, so I'm halfway through. I suppose it depends how many times you get hit in the head. A lot. I've been hitting <laughs> the head a lot. That's why I'm, I'm setting the bar low, because I, I don't know what's going to happen to my brain as I continue on. But medical science are doing yeah. great things. So, uh, I, I mean, there's, there's two paradoxes to, to being a fighter. Obviously, you get hit in the head a lot, but I also lived an extremely clean and healthy lifestyle mm. for... I always said this, and this is probably scientific bullshit, so don't take this as fact, but I've got two brothers. I'll talk about my older brother. My older brother, he's a, he works for Zoom. He's like head of sales for EMA. He, 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 you know, he's in sales. That's what I put it. In sales in London. So that means if you're in sales in London, you go to meetings, you drink four to five nights a week mm. quite heavily, you know, would be to say that I'd say. So for my fighting career, let's take it, take it over 10 years just to make it easier. Over those 10 years, I got hit in the head a lot, a lot. And if you watch some of my fights, I, I think I won a lot. My old mate Lee Dosky used to say, you know, good Luke, people just can't knock you out and they get tired. That's basically <laughs> what he used to say. Well, they're kind of right sometimes. Um, so I got hit in the head a lot, but my brother drank a lot of beer. 
and a lot of hangovers and did a lot of shots. So has he done us the same amount of damage to his brain in 10 years by drinking alcohol that I've done from getting hit in the head? Mm. Because I'm still quite with it a little bit you know what i mean so i think uh yeah i spent 10 years looking after myself physically i understand how the body works i understand how nutrition works i understand how fitness works i understand all these have all of these compounding factors i mean i might be drinking quite a lot now though so i might be i might be catching up but but my brother uh, spent those 10 years wrecking his brain with booze so and i think most people in their 20s to 30s do that mm. so you gotta think i from 18 to 32 i was a professional athlete who got hit in the head a lot. So yeah. maybe I could live to 100. Maybe. Maybe. My wife's mission is to make me live to 100. And I said, I'm, I'm happy at 70. I'll be all right. But then my dad's 72, I think, or 71. So I don't know. I mean, longevity. longevity is an interesting thing. There's, there's, um, there's a podcast that you should listen to. I can't remember the name of it, but I'll tell you off, off, off air uh, that tells you about health and well-being. And, and there's a specific doctor that talks about it. And um, all of these things are coming out with supplementation and all that. And I'm taking, uh, my wife gives me a, a, like a packet in the morning and I just take like 20 pills. I don't know what any of them do. <laughs> uh, but amigas, all placebos. Uh, yeah, all yeah, testosterone yeah. maybe. No, 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 no. I definitely <laughs> need, I need less of that. I'm telling you, less of testosterone. And i am not tried Viagra yet. Maybe, maybe I'll get there. But, um, but you know, I think uh, you, you, are, you always think about the bad side of it. And the bad side of it is I got hit in the head a lot. So I think as I grow older, maybe that will affect me, CTE, all these things. But on the good side of it is I, I know how to take care of my body. And, um, and I do. I yeah. spent the last, another like from my athletic career ending, I thought I'd missed out a little bit on life in a weird way. So I spent the last two and a half years boozing, wrecking. But now I've, I've kind of found that balance. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm not doing it anywhere nearly as much as I was before. And I feel like my... Second life is just beginning. Is how I'd say my business life, my my health, my, the health and the, the fitness lifestyle that I'm going to have, and everything. And I feel it's funny. I've been a very struggling, struggling financially guy fighter for a long, long time. Then I made a little bit of money, and a little. That's why I asked you the question: How much money is enough? A little bit of money in, in my mind, but maybe quite a lot of money to some people. And then now I'm learning how to leverage that and turn it into more money, and. I'm not there yet where I want to be, but I, I can see it. And you, do, you use the word glass ceilings, mm. financial glass ceilings. And there's, there's a friend of mine that made an insane amount of money uh, with cryptocurrencies. And I sit and I talk to him about money. And he blows my mind with the, the way he thinks about money. And I think having access to him and being able to have discussions with him about, about it just makes you aim a bit further and aim a bit for a lot of people in a network in general are talking about you know i if i said to my mates from school that you know i wanted to make 10 grand a month they'd be like oh, that's it's good you know i say that in my network and they laugh at me they laugh you know the the average mindset is 100k 100k months you know and that's before assets and before mm. this is just cash flow you know so and i said that to this guy and he laughs he he, he just always says add a zero to any any thought you have luke add a zero and opening those ceilings, those glass ceilings, and seeing is believing, I believe. And when you, I think that in fighting, I think that with women, I think that with money, I think that with health, I think that with everything. So when you see these people living these lives financially and how they approach money, and we've already spoken about that you should 
surround yourself with the people doing the thing and learn from the people doing the thing because they actually know how to do the thing. Um, for me, being around these people like Tate and the guys and seeing how they approach money is like, they always, that famous phrase, which you probably hate. I imagine you don't like this phrase. You know what I'm going to say? Let's give it a go. Money Let's isn't go. real. You know, this, this phrase, money isn't real. And that's everyone I always say that to is like, it's fine when you've got it. That makes sense when, you have, when you've got it. But I think the mentality of money isn't real is that money flows. And as long as you are spending it, again, when you look at wasting money and investing money, some people see certain things or have it in a frame as a waste of money. Buying a nice sports car is a waste of money. Other people see that as an investment of money. Depends on how you look at it. Nice clothes, nice watches, nice whatever. Some people see that as a waste. You know, the, the Tates and, and they believe the flow of money is super important. You can't just hold it and hold no. on to it. When you make a bit of money, you need to spend it and improve your lifestyle. And by improving your lifestyle, you attract people into your life that are going to make you more money. So when you spend on clothes, on experiences, on holidays, on these, these are investments into your life to improve the quality of your life, improve, improve your outlook on your life. And from improving that outlook, you meet like-minded men that are going to help you make more money. Mm. And when you look at it like that, and if I try to explain that to my dad, when I, and if I spent a very small, if I spent a hundred pound on a shirt and I told that to my dad, he would slap me around the face. But that's like his, that that's the mentality that I have grown from meeting these people and spending time with them is everything that you buy is an investment. If you frame it and look at it as an investment, obviously you can still waste money. There's still weight, but you know, but even bottle service in a club, in a Marbella nightclub this weekend, when your boys go out and they spend a bit of, might be a waste for them. If they're not going to utilize that into being surrounded by the right people and, and, and having meaningful conversations. So it comes down to the context of what, again, it comes down to that mission, who you are and what your mission is. And if, if you're looking for enjoying those experiences just for that experience, then maybe it is a little bit of a waste. Maybe, maybe. But if you're trying to look at it as an investment, buying that certain thing, looking that certain way, projecting that certain value when you go into a group of people and spend time with them, I believe the ROI on those investments is, is huge. And money has to flow. You have to spend it. You have to make it. So I think... Um, that's something that I've learned recently and those limitations that have been set, set on money come from my parents. Mm. They come from other generations where, you know, get a good job, make a bit of money and then save it. And, and you know way better than I do, but you're it's never going to... for wealth. You're never going to... formula for wealth. You're never going to become wealthy by saving money. Now, pe people and parents... Not everyone has good intentions, obviously, but your, your parents often do have good intentions. You'd like to think that they do. And, you know, they say things like that because they care about you. But it doesn't mean it's right. All right, Rob. Thanks yeah. so much for coming in. All Thanks right. for being in Marbella. Great. First this is looking good. Test run with the studio. I think yeah. we did all right. Yeah.